Lesson number two, don't only listen to the patient. The second key to getting a good history is a bit paradoxical. Don't only listen to the patient. There have been times when I was too accepting of what the patient told me. Patients may be stoic or malingering or serial embellishers or just too scared to tell you how they really feel. This is why the great diagnostician William Osler once said, it is much more important to know what sort of patient has a disease than what sort of disease the patient has. You have to be a bit of a detective sometimes to sort out all the information. What the patient tells you is very important, but it's only part of what you need to make a correct diagnosis. Find out about the patient to see him and his illness in the context of his family, his job, his worries, and his history. Add to the history and a careful physical exam, all the appropriate lab tests and other testing. I made the mistake early in my career of putting too much stock in a patient's self-diagnosis and it led to a true disaster. Let me tell you about the case. Farmer George was a healthy 75-year-old white man. He had frequent heartburn and used a lot of Rolaids. One day he developed what he called severe heartburn and diaphoresis, which is what doctors call sweatiness. He came to a small emergency room in rural Ohio by emergency squad. Staffing that emergency room was a somewhat scared, somewhat clueless, newly licensed second year family medicine resident halfway through a 60 hour moonlighting shift. That was me. I took a careful history and I gave George what we call a GI cocktail which is Maalox, a numbing medicine, and an anti-spasm medication. My wife made me come, he said. I get this heartburn all the time, he said. The only reason I got this sweat is that I have had this flu bug. I've been having sweats all week. I've never been sick a day in my life, he boasted. His eyes were wrinkled by years of smoking and sun, but he sure looked sincere to me. I'm fine, doc. That milky stuff you gave me, it took all the pain away. His family history was fine, no history of heart trouble. He took no chronic medications, had no allergies. I did a careful physical exam. I listened to his heart for a long time. It was steady and strong at 72 beats per minute. His blood pressure was excellent at 124 over 82. He begged me to let him go home, and I naively accepted his version. I did not do an EKG, and he happily left feeling well. But two hours later, he was dead, likely from a myocardial infarction or heart attack. Let that be a lesson to you. No one will ever thank you for not doing an EKG. The patient's history and perception were only part of what I needed to understand his condition. I overestimated his opinion, and it led to a disaster. I will never know if, if his EKG would have been abnormal because I did not do one. I kicked myself, and I wallowed in guilt and self-loathing. I then made another mistake, one that I think too many doctors make. I kept it to myself. I told none of my friends or fellow residents or teachers. I was too embarrassed. I'd always thought of myself as bright, caring, wanting to help people. Well, good education and good intentions are not enough. One also needs good training and good judgment, and I did not have enough of either of those at that point in my career. George had taught me another valuable lesson and I was not sure it was worth the price, but I was determined not to make the same mistake again. Yes, I would listen to the patient, but in the future,
I would get whatever information I needed, and I would make up my own mind. Trust but verify. Trust but verify is not good only in negotiating with adversaries, but also in making a correct diagnosis. We'll be right back.